trivia, discussions, opinions, and the chance to have your say. Welcome to the Topical Resort. Welcome to another fantastic week here at the Topical Resort, although we'll get into all of that in a bit. There's so many legendary musicians that have composed the Sega games over the years, and it's time that we here at the resort paid homage to them. So today on the Topical Resort, thanks to the request of Jamie64326, we'll be looking at the library of, library of tracks composed for Sega games by Yuzo Koshiro. And uh, we're going to start off with a bit of a classic, but at first I'm, I'm going to give a warning. In my own picks, which is aka okay, the non-request stuff, there is no Streets of Rage 2. Now I know that may offend some people, we got some Streets of Rage... Wage Streets of Rage 1 and Streets of Rage 2. Oh, sorry, 3, but we do not have any 2. Which may offend some people because I consider that to be the best one, but personally, a bit more of a fan of 1 myself. And we, we got a In this block, we've got one track from 1. Yeah, I can't speak tonight. But anyway, let's kick this off with a track from The Revenge of Shinobi. The obvious pick from this game. This is Chinatown, right here on the Topical Resort.
And with that, we are officially open for business. Welcome once again back to the Top Resort for another week here on the lovely Radio Sega. As always, kicking off your Radio Sega live weekend. I'm your host, Green Evaporator. For the next two hours, we're going to be playing you the music of Yuka... I can't speak. Yuzo Kishiro. Apologies, uh, indigestion right now. But uh, there's quite a lot of craziness also going on down in the Discord. We're currently having a conversation which I can't really talk about on air technically, but um, yeah, it's 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 not PG. I can tell you that much. But uh, in the chat room we have Shadix, Jamie, me, me, Veritex, um, who else? Electric Boogaloo, Doom Girl, Lost Impact. I'm sure a whole bunch more of you currently listening in. So if you're if you're lurking, you know, not in the chat. Hello, if you want to come into the chat, radiosc.gf/discord either link your account or just create a username as it prompts you to and then you'll be in our lovely and quite frankly right now terrifying chat room on top of that if you don't like discord and you want to use something else you can also use twitter which is at radio sega at the green vibrator or at topical resort or you can use the hashtag hashtag topical resort all those places you can talk to us during the show or you know if you're listening on the podcast hello to you as well so, as you all know... Oh, we've also got Rapidrun in the chat room. Hello to Rapidrun. So, as you all know, um, Yuzu Kajiro is obviously a very famous composer in the sort of Sega hemisphere. Everyone pretty much knows of him. He's composed some absolutely amazing soundtracks, as you just heard there. Speaking of that, as what you just heard there, we just heard from Streets of Rage, a.k.a. Bare Knuckle. That was Moon Beach Round 3, which is my favourite track from that game, personally. Although the version of it... Well, the version of it we have on Radio Sega goes on for a bit too long, so I did have to cut it slightly short, in my opinion. But, uh, before that, from the Revenge of Shinobi was Chinatown, a Radio Sega classic. Used to get requested all the time back in the day, and thankfully, people have calmed that one down just a slight bit. Yeah, the games that the games that he composed for are also mostly great, like stuff like Seventh Dragon, obviously once again Revenge of Shinobi and Streets of Rage, Sonic One Eight Bit. They're all fantastic games, and what makes them even better is they have a fantastic score. It's not like in some cases where the score's better than the game. No, I'd say they're quite equal because these are fantastic scores for fantastic Sega games. They didn't hire him for any old nonsense. They only hired him for the best of the best. Aside from Music of Zero, uh, we also had a few bits of Sega news because, for those of you who don't know, last night was Nintendo Direct and I can already hear a lot of booing in the chat room, but there were a few things related to our beloved Sega on that uh, on that showcase. The first one of which being that the um, Nintendo Switch version of Fantasy Star Online 2 <laughs> is releasing on the 4th of April. That was obviously for Japan only because... <laughs> Fancy Star Online 2 for the West, that's a good joke. But yeah, that's releasing on the 4th of April, and I think... I could be wrong, but I don't think you can play that from inside the EU or the U- US. Because I think it might be IP lock, potentially, meaning you cannot use it from anything that isn't a Japanese IP. I could be wrong, but um, either way, it's worth a try when that releases. Just, you know, grab a Japanese eShop account and see if you can play it or not. 
on top of that uh, there was also um, obviously one that I was very excited for but other people didn't really get all the hype Super Smash Bros. 5 was announced now this technically isn't Sega as you know because it's a Nintendo franchise Nintendo game and all that developed by Nintendo but technically this sort of links into Sega because for those of you who don't know in the past Sega has actually um, done or well, Sega has contributed some of their characters to the franchise, specifically Super Smash Bros. Brawl, the uh, the one in 2008, not the original. I was trying to say the first game to feature a Sega character or a third-party character in general, released in 2008. That also included Sonic the Hedgehog. In 2014, when Super Smash Bros. 4 for 3DS and Wii U released, it included Sonic the Hedgehog and later in DLC, thanks to fan vote, because she was the most voted character, Bayonetta appeared. So... It's possible that with this new game or with this port, that both of these characters will be coming back. And on top of that, that we'll also finally maybe have some new Sega characters, which is what I like because I sort of liked the direction they were going with in the last game because they also included Pac-Man and Mega Man. So I was sort of liking the direction they were going in where it wasn't just Sega anymore. It was like this entire sort of whole... Oh, on top of that, there was also Solid Snake from Metal Gear in Brawl. But on... I, I like the direction they were going where it was no longer a Nintendo fighting game, it was just like gaming fighting game, if that makes sense. Although some people wouldn't call it a fighting game, but let's not get into that debate today. Point is, Sega characters, Nintendo characters, Namco characters, Capcom characters all fighting in one go, which is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so we're hoping for more Sega characters, and I can actually link this back into the topic of the episode because... Yuzo Koshiro did actually do some music for both Brawl and Smash 4. And I was going to play it, but then I discovered he didn't compose them, but rather he only arranged the tracks. And the only one I can remember off the top of my head is the Pac-Man theme from the 3DS version of Smash 4. So I'm not going to be playing any of them. My plan was originally to play one in the Request Resort block, but um, since he didn't compose it, he only arranged it. Can't really do that. However, we do actually have a Nintendo game a Nintendo game in the Request Resort and that's because that was one that he fully composed and it's a fantastic soundtrack, it gets played quite a lot thanks to one person frequently requesting it. Yes, uh, absolutely fantastic games coming up tonight and as you can tell probably the main focus here is the music right? because you know we can focus on Yuzu Koshiro himself That'd be mm, sli slightly boring, but we will still be talking about him, we'll be going through his history, talking about the games and the music in um, a future block, and also a topical thesis, as you all know. But um, as for now, I think it's time we got back into some more music, so we're going to go into possibly one of the... Okay, so this is tough to explain, but not obscure, but out of the well-known Sega franchises, it's probably the most obscure, because it's not like... No one has ever heard of this game before. No, but not that many people have heard of it, but it's still technically a popular franchise. So, from the from 7th Dragon 2020, which I believe was the one for the PSP. I could be wrong, but I think that's the PSP one. This is Daiba, Freezing Town. You're listening to the Topic Resort right here on Radio Sega, and when we come back, we'll be going through Yuzo Koshiro's life history and also how we got into composing video games. But as for now, enjoy the music.
Radio Sega. Request Resort. Send your request relating to the topic of the episode in a tweet to at Radio Sega or the Green Viper 8. Or send it in a Discord DM to Green Viper 8 through our Discord server at radiose.ga forward slash Discord. Hasty History. 
What a beautiful track we just had there. That was from Amazing Island, a game which, according to Jamie64326, never actually came out in Europe. That was the main title, and I love that track. It's a it's a peaceful track, but um, at the same time, everyone in the chat room said they were falling asleep, so maybe it was a bit too peaceful. Maybe Yuzuka's Hero did bad by that one. No, he didn't. We're all joking, of course. For that was a track from 7th Dragon 2020. That was Daiba, Freezing Town. And as Jamie pointed out, uh, there was actually a Miku version of that entire soundtrack, which I didn't play for you because I don't believe it was composed by Yusuke Shiro. I believe it was remixed by someone else, obviously. Obviously, the Miku part wouldn't have been done by him because I'm sure he doesn't know how to use Vocaloid, but I don't think he did the uh, actual instrumentals either for that. So, yeah, and besides, we better go with the original version because the original version is actually better, but Jamie was just pointing that out. Anyway... So, Diaba Freezing Town is an absolutely awesome track, and we had to go for that because whenever someone talks about, um, or wh- whenever someone plays music from Seventh Dragon, it's often Tokyo, Tokyo, the Trials Grow, grow Complex, which is a- which was actually requested today, but Jamie gave me a second choice, so I went for that because we tend to play, or we te- we tend to play um, Tokyo, the Trials grow-, grow Complex quite a bit on this show, so I, I went with something different. But yes, anyway, with that in mind, it is now time for the Hasty History segment, and this is where we go through the history of something relating to the topic of the episode. And in this case, of course, it's Yuzo Koshiro himself. So, he was born on the 20th of December, 1967. He was born in Tokyo, Japan. He's obviously composed many tracks for Sega games, including most famously Streets of Rage series, or The Streets of Rage series, and The Revenge of Shinobi, but also composed for slightly more obscure games, including Beyond Oasis. Hence, hence why I said slightly, I didn't say obscure, because it's not obscure. Although he gained critical acclaim for his works from with Sega, he's also done work for other companies, including composing for YS and ActRaiser. He's well known for releasing his own music and soundtrack form, and his music has frequently made appearances in live video game performances. His most recent video game he's worked on is the new Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, which is set to release this year in 2018. So this is pretty much all there is to really say about him. Unless you want to go into like the really specific details of every single game he composed, then... Yeah, uh, you can't really get into much more detail than that, although of course I'm sure some people are down in the chat room radiosc.gf4/discord have some interesting little facts that they could say about him that I did not note down right now. Now, looking at the Twitter feed, I asked the question which third-party characters people would like to see for Smash Bros. Obviously, Sega characters, because we were talking about it on the show, so it made sense to plug it a bit on the Twitter. And someone wants Knights, and that is a very sensible suggestion. More specifically, Super GH wants Knights, which I think such a good pick. Although I think. Maybe Knights would be a bit more difficult to make a move set for, but I'm sure it could be done. But at the same time, you know, I think I, I think Knights would be a good fit. But back on to user Kashiro, so Um They're currently in the chat room they are talking about Aspect and Uh also apparently Amazing Island was co developed by Yusha uh, Kashiro's own company. I don't know why I keep Jumbling the words up, jumbling the, jumbling his name up and jumbling my words up. Oh, it's funny because even I jumbled them up then. Um, I think Aspect did all of the Sonic 8-bit games, if I remember correctly, um, because Shadix Croft is questioning it currently. But um, let's just see. I'm I'm gonna Google this. 
aspect. Nope, that's not the same company, Aspect Games. Yes, it is time for Type of Viper 8 once again. Oh, Ancient is Kashiro's company. Yep, yep, whoops, whoops, whoops. I can't speak. Um, Aspect is the ones who did the Sonic 8-bit games, though, which is what I was saying, or meant to say. So, yeah, they developed... Huh, they didn't do Sonic 1. Who did Sonic 1, then? Oh, Ancient... Yep, sorry, I'm being stupid. Um, Ancient did Sonic 1 8-bit, and then Aspect did Sonic 2 Chaos, and Triple Trouble. Nah, nah, I can't speak, I'm being stupid. They also did Sonic the Hedgehog Game World, and Sonic Blast, that's how you know. And Tales Adventure. Tales Adventure was alright, the rest of them were pretty poor. Uh, they, they still make games? What? <laughs> really? Admittedly, the last game they made was in 2013, but still, that baffles me that they didn't go bankrupt after the Game Gear. Huh. Um. Exactly, haha, was necessary here. The, a great emote. But now it's time for the Request Resort, and for those of you who don't know what the Request Resort is, it's where you can request any music you want relating to the topic of the episode. In this case, any music from any Sega game composed by Yuzo Shiro. We've already got in a good few requests here. We got one from Jamie, we got one from Electric Boogaloo, we got one from Lost Impact, one from Shaddix, and one from myself. And there's still plenty of room, so if you want to get some in, shoot me some messages. You can send it in through Discord, radioac.g forward slash Discord. You can send it in through Twitter at Radio Sega at Topic Resort at the Green Viper 8. You can send it in through Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Radio Sega. Send it in for an email, topicresort at gmail.com. Or you can send it in through a private message on the forums and Green Viper 8 over there. And breathe. But yeah, absolutely great games going on in, in this block. Just throughout this entire show, but mainly in this block. Because after all, they were picked by you. And I trust your musical tastes. Unless you're going to request... I don't know, like, Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis or something. Uh, you know, luckily he didn't compose that, so I, th I think we're safe for now. But I'm um, just going to, you know, wait to see if anyone's going to get in any last-minute requests or anything. I don't think people would, but uh, worth a check anyway. Uh, doesn't seem to be... Okay, so in that case we're going to kick things off with a track from a game which I forgot to put on the request resort list. So from The Legend of Oasis, which is the story of Thor 2, aka a sequel to Beyond Oasis, this is Aquaria, as requested by Electric Boogaloo, right here on the request resort. Request Resorts
Oh, that track. That, that track, they, that, it, it's very special to me personally, and it takes me back. But um, there's one more. There's one track which takes me back more from the original Sonic the Hedgehog on 8-bit. But that was the bonus stage theme, as requested by myself. And Rapid Run asked from which game it was from. It was from the original, because Sonic 1 for the Master System slash Game Gear was the only one which Yuzo Koshiro composed. The rest of them were done by... Um, Oh, I can't remember her name now. Her name has completely escaped me, but uh, the same person who did the Sonic CD Japanese soundtrack. Her. <laughs> Before that, from Sonic the Hedgehog 8-bit as well, that was the jungle theme, as requested by Technically Rapid Run. He never said the words requested, but I could tell that he wanted to request it, so I, I dropped it in there for him. Before that, from Kid Icarus Uprising, that was Chapter 17. Aurum Brains... Orum Brain's Fortress, the first half, as requested by Lost Impact, obviously. Which isn't a Sega game, but it was composed by Yuzo Koshiro, so I let that one slide past. Once again, before that, from Sunday the Hedgehog 8-bit, you're noticing a trend here with this request block, aren't you? That was Skybase, as requested by Shaddix Croft. The theme of seizures, as we've dubbed it, because for those of you who don't know... Did it? No, I think it's the other one, Electric Boogaloo. Um... Those of you who don't know, in this stage in the Master System version, there was a gimmick where like you couldn't jump or s lost impact. You've let me down. The track we played was not composed by Yuzo Koshiro. I even googled it and I couldn't actually find any information. So I was like, okay, it's a fairly safe assumption that he composed this, and he didn't. Oh, I'm ashamed. Uh, yes, um, in the Master System version of Skybase, there was like this mechanic or something where, I can't remember, but like, fire a laser or something? When you were in the air at a certain point, like basically a timer sort of stage, but uh, every once in a while, like this laser would go off, and it would make the screen flash black and white like crazy. Thankfully they removed that in the, um, in the second revision. By second revision, I mean the Game Gear version of the game, but that was all oh, that was difficult to play on the Master System. Really hurts your eyes right there. Before that, from Streets of Rage, aka Bare Knuckle, that was Attack the Barbarian, which is the boss theme as requested by Jamie64326. And kicking off the block, there was a track from The Legend of Oasis, that was Aquaria, as requested by Electric Boogaloo, but literally about two seconds after I played the track. On my end, Veritech sent me a request for that one, oh, because it hadn't played on his end yet. Yeah, Veritech sent me a request for that one, so technically he requested it as well, and he said that he wanted something to go to sleep to, and that, that's a perfect song to go to sleep to. Did I pronounce Icarus as Icarus? Yes, I did, because that's how most people seem to do it. Uh, let's go with both of them, Electric Boogaloo, Naofumi Hataya and Masafumi Ogata. Let's go with both of them. I believe they both composed um, Sonic 2 on the Master System as well. Um, there's so many messages in this chat room right now. I apologise if I cannot read them all. And now it's time where we talk about some of the games that uh, user Kashiro composed for, and I give my opinions on the games themselves as well as the music. So we're going to kick things off with Seventh Dragon and. Actually, I don't know too much about the original Seventh Dragon, so I'm going to look this up. So the original Seventh Dragon was a PSP game, first released on the 5th of March 2009. 
Um, let's let's find some reviews because that's that's what really counts here when we don't know what the game is like. Nope, that's Seventh Dragon Free. All of these are Seventh Dragon Free. I asked for the original Seventh Dragon One. I can't believe I have to Google that. Nope, it still comes up with Seventh Dragon Free. Like there there were games before this one. You Google, you don't have to only show me. Literally, the first two pages are only for the VF Code Free VFD. Why? I didn't Google that game. Okay, first fourth pages. Uh, anyway, it's it's probably a pretty good game because I can't find anything about it. But it has a great soundtrack. I know that for certain. But um, yeah, you should get a hold of that one because I, I certainly can't get a hold of a review for it. But it's on PSP, so it should be fairly easy to get a hold of. Seventh Dragon 2020 was, I believe, the second game in the series, released on 23rd November 2011. Can we actually find some reviews for this one, please? Without it coming up with Seventh Dragon. Oh, look, comes up first time. That's what would have been nice. So, it's, it's a dungeon crawler, apparently. That doesn't help me with what the game is like. That massive wall of text doesn't help me with what the game is like either, so let's go to GameSpot instead. Um, no reviews, okay, right, you could have told me that before I clicked on it. Oh, I'm running into a dead end here, why, doesn't I, why do all the 7th Dragon games have zero reviews? Okay, it's probably good, you should probably pick it up once again, it's for the PSP. 7th Dragon 2022. Well, obviously a sequel to 2020. It's a pretty good game. I'm not even going to bother to try and look up information for it because I know I'll just reach a dead end. Finally, a game that I can actually Google. Amazing Island. I know a rough bit about this game and I've seen it in action, but I should um, probably Google it because I don't know too much. So it's a game released on the GameCube on the 15th of January 2004. It's actually a pretty cool game. I've been wanting to get my hands on it for a while. It gets pretty average reviews, about like half marks, usually, which I can side with, but I still want to get it because it's a cool, quirky game, and more specifically, the thing that mainly makes me want to get it is that I cannot get my hands on it because it wasn't released here in Europe, which automatically makes any game more desirable for me if it's a Sega game which wasn't released here. It's a GameCube game, so I could probably import it with ease because I have plenty, plenty of things that will play Japanese and American GameCube games, so that wouldn't be too much of an issue. So, we all know that it's composed by Yuzo Kishiro, and it has pretty good music. Like, you heard that um, the main title earlier on. There was also another... Or the, obviously, there was more tracks than that, and they're all pretty good. This was actually developed by both Hitmaker and Ancient. So Ancient was still around in 2004. They hadn't like completely disappeared off the face of the earth. I guess pick this one up if you can. Like, it, oh, according to GameStop, it's only five pounds. So yeah, definitely pick this one up if you have a GameCube. Even if it's not the best game, it might be a bit of fun. Beyond Oasis. I don't know too much about this from my own experience. However, I hear it is very good. If you want to know some people who have some more experience with, if you want to hear some remarks from people who have more experience with the game, go on over to RadioSega.net, go to the media section, go to the Manic Monday show, and from there go to one of them. 
I cannot remember which one it is, but on one of the episodes there was a retrospective from a When It Was You on Beyond Oasis, and the episode after that, people told me, no, not told me, they told KC their opinions about the game. So if you want to hear a more informed opinion, be sure to go and look over there. I don't know too much personally. But, um, ch check it out, I'd recommend it. it it's Sega. It, I heard it's more clunky than the sequel and the music isn't as good, but still... It's worth your time. Etrian Odyssey 5, Beyond the Myth. I actually was quite shocked to learn that he composed for this one. We actually surprisingly have this on the playlist as well because it's an Atlas game that was released after the buyout, meaning it's eligible. And it does a pretty good soundtrack, honestly. Like, this is my own personal opinion. I feel like some people probably want me lynched for this, but I've never been a massive fan of RPG soundtracks. Like, there's some good ones. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's all bad ones, but in general, I find a lot of RPGs tend to take this sort of like genericy, like atmospheric-y soundtrack. And nothing wrong with atmospheric music, but a lot of the time, I feel like with some RPGs, they don't really do anything to make themselves unique in terms of music. And some of them just sound a bit wishy-washy, generic-y. But Etrian Odyssey Five. One has an amazing composer, and two has some absolutely fantastic tunes. I'd recommend you check out the soundtrack. And it was released this year, meaning on Monday or <clears throat> whenever I will next see you. Uh, I'll be saving up for the end of the show. Uh, whenever I next see you, we'll be playing some music from Metro and Odyssey Five. So, but yeah, check it out if you have a 3DS. I have the Beholder. I know nothing about it. It's probably pretty good since it's a Sega CD game. It's easy enough to emulate do that. Revenge of Shinobi is an absolutely fantastic game. Like, such a good game. Get it on anything. Buy it, buy it for everything. Buy it for your toaster. Buy it for your microwave. Buy it for your phone, because it's on Sega forever. Get it for all the compilations you can. Emulate it. Whatever. Just play Revenge of Shinobi. Fantastic soundtrack and an amazing game to boot. It's just one of those... It's like... A lot of people, um, more specifically simpletons, are like, eh, the Mega Drive had no good games before Sonic. Sonic 1 saved the Mega Drive. The, 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 the simpletons have never played Revenge of Shinobi, clearly. Or any of the Streets of Rage games for that matter, but mainly Revenge of Shinobi, because it was such a good game. Fantastic, check it out. Speaking of gorgeous 10 out of 10 games, up next we've got Shenmue 1 and 2. If you're a Sega fan, I shouldn't need to introduce Shenmue to you, but apparently some people need Shenmue introduced to them. So, Shenmue is basically an open-world free game, which not free as in price, but free as in genre. And you just sort of run around, avenge your father's death, carry out your real life around China and later in the second game, Japan. I've never got too far in the games myself, but they're absolutely fantastic and I really wish I could, but uh, one thing I really hate is I have a really bad attention span when it comes to games, so I wouldn't ever be able to get very far because it requires a lot of patience, because Shenmue is an incredibly long game, and that's why it's good value for money. Buy it, people. Yeah, Shenmue 1 and 2, fantastic. I highly recommend you pick them up. Slapfire MD, it's a pretty good conversion apparently of the arcade original. I'd recommend you check it out. Or maybe download the music. Sonic the Hedgehog 8 bit. It's a pretty good game, especially for Master System standards, honestly. Like a lot of people bash this game and 
I actually don't get why, because obviously it's not as good as the Mega Drive version, but I still think it's fantastic. Like, it's not, personally, my opinion, don't lynch me for this, I don't think it's as good as some platformers at the time on NES, like stuff like Mega Man I think is a much higher quality than Sonic 1, but it's still an incredibly good game, like highly recommend it, great fun, really solid game of a master system standards, it's absolutely one of the best platformers to get, aside from obviously Alex Kidd. Um, rather interestingly, this was the last Master System game released in the US, the final one, but it was far from final in places like Europe, and definitely not final in places like Brazil, where technically the Master System is still alive. Yeah, there's a place where Sega is still alive and still producing consoles that aren't at games. Isn't that weird? Aside from that, you've also got the fantastic Streets of Rage trilogy. Now, if there was ever a game which deserved a sequel more than... or more, If there was ever a trilogy which deserved a new installment more, it would be Streets of Rage. Fantastic games. The third one is meh, but the first two are so incredibly good. You absolutely need to play them. And the third one, if you enjoy the first two, still play it anyway check them out on anything because they tend to get ported a lot so it's not going to be difficult to get your hands on a copy the GG Shinobi and the GG Shinobi 2 obviously meaning the Game Gear Shinobi I hear these are pretty good I don't know too much about them personally because um, well one I don't have a Game Gear but two I haven't actually ever tried to emulate these apparently they're quite different from the original Shinobi games maybe take it with a pinch of salt if you're a fan of the originals but I still don't really see any harm in, you know, sticking these in an emulator and trying them out. But yes, that was pretty much all the games that Yuzo uh, Kajiro composed for. And I want to know your opinions on them, so let me know. Let me know on Discord or Twitter or whatever. I've already plugged them enough times, you don't need to know anymore. But yes, I, I think there's not really a bad game on that list at all. They're all great games, so check all them out. And especially listen to the music in this case. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did Rapid Run, I think, potentially. Got them mixed up. Uh, Veritech says both Thor games are good. Two is even very good. Huh. Um. Okay, so looking back at it, apparently Isakashiro did compose that Kid Icarus track, so. Uh, I'm still not really sure at this point, but maybe... Uh, let's have a quick look. So, let's find the one we're looking for. Disc 219. No, he didn't appear to compose it. Oh, I'm, I'm confused at this point. Like, did, did someone... Did someone compose this track? Uh, will we ever find out the gripping conclusion to the Yuzo Koshiro saga? Find out this week on the Topical Resort. But um, as for now, it's time we got into some more music and we got some fantastic, fantastic tracks here. <laughs> so kicking off the block is a track from Beyond Oasis. This is Boundless Cliff right here on the Topical Resort.
You'll be happy to know this saga is over. He did compose the Kid Icarus track. Now back on with your dull, boring lives. That was a rather short music break, but yes, welcome back to the Topical Resort right here on Radio Sega. We just had that was from the GG Shinobi. GG Easy Bro. That was the boss or the second boss theme or boss two or whatever you want to call it. For that from Beyond Oasis, that was Boundless Cliff. A relaxing track once again. Yes, um we finally got to the bottom of the Yuzo Kashiro saga with his Kid Icarus Uprising tracks, and looking back at it now, I've realised that the dash means composed from one track to the next track as in, so composed from track 8 to track 11. Uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, I apologise for my sinful behaviour. I will now move on with my life. <laughs> yes, with that in mind, it is time for the topical thesis, and for those of you who don't know what it is, it's where I take an opinion that I've come up with, or I've heard from around the Sega community, and I give my own spin on it. I give my three points for, my three points against, and then I come to a justified conclusion based on whether I agree or disagree with the statement. And today's topical thesis is... maybe? No, it's not. It's not controversial at all. And I think most people will be fairly one-sided on this one. So with that in mind, today's topical thesis is... Should Sega hire more composers? Let's get into those three points four. So it could breathe some new creativity into the music of Sega games. Sega music is always known for being fairly creative as it is, but, you know, with some new faces in the industry, perhaps they could make new genres of music, and not new genres as in, like, invent new genres, but, you know, do stuff in their game, or try genres in their games which they've never tried before, or try something completely different. You know, finally, something different, maybe, from the standard norms of video game soundtracks, who knows. It allows younger and more inexperienced composers to get a foot in the door. You know, they don't have to stay at Sega for their entire lives, but we grab them anyway and um, 
we, we put them into the cupboard and they never come out. But um, yeah, when they come, when they go to Sega, you know, it gives them a chance to get put on the map, so they can actually get out there and compose for other games and get their name well known. So perhaps they should stop relying on those old composers and bring in some new ones. And another point for it is that. Personally, Sega rely too heavily on big name composers, so maybe it's time to give the little guy a shot. You know, they too many times they call an artist like Jun Sonoi and not really anymore, but for a while Hideki Naganuma and Yuzo Koshiro's to to do like every big game. And quite honestly, it doesn't really happen anymore because ironically, those three composers don't really get used anymore. But for a while, they were used every single game, and maybe it was time to give someone who's less well known a shot because mainly they relied on those composers or the big composers for their names, perhaps sometimes more than their composing skills. But for every positive, there's also a negative, so let's counter those positives with some negatives. They have enough composers as of current to make their soundtracks varied. Sega have so many different composers working on so many different projects that every soundtrack sounds fresh, unique, and different to the last. So, with that in mind, do you really need new composers to do that when the ones there work for the same purpose? The big composers gained their reputation for a reason. Once again, fairly obvious, you know, Yuzo Koshiro gained his legendary reputation because he produced amazing scores for amazing games, and that's how we got to be as big as he is now. So, why do they need necessarily more composers? If I never said June didn't start with Sega, um, <laughs> Jamie, that was never a point I made. Um, but yeah, the big the big composers have their reputations for a reason, so you don't need to replace them with new composers. Even if you brought in new composers, arguably, could they become as big as the massive names that Sega has built? Who knows? And I think this one comes from Sega themselves more than an outside perspective, but familiar faces are often more reliable than new talent. This isn't always true, but I think in a lot of cases in the video game industry, a lot of the big wigs trust well-known faces that they've been, you know, working with for 30 years, more than they trust some new guy fresh out of music college, you know, it, that's naturally just how it's going to be, I think, in a lot of cases. But, um, what won in that, in the end, what won did the points for overthrow my points against, or did my points against rapidly overtake? points for. Let's find out in my conclusion. So although bringing in some new composers on board could be a risk, just in case something goes wrong, there's absolutely no harm in more variety and allowing new composers to get a start in the industry. So yes, I would like to see Sega hire more composers in the foreseeable future. Are you ready for it? I don't think you're ready for it. I think people are still going to complain about how much you say this. What's your opinion on that opinion? You have many different places where you can get in your opinion. You can get it in through Twitter, at Radio Sega, at Top Resort, at Green Vibrate, or maybe with the hashtag, hashtag Radio Sega. You can send it in through Discord, radioac.ga forward slash Discord. You can send it in through Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Radio Sega. You can send it in through an email, topresortgmail.com, or you can send it in through a Radio Sega private message on the forums. I'm Green Vibrate over there. I somehow said that without stumbling. I can't even speak or say one set. It's, it's happening again. I can't even say a single sentence without stumbling over my words tonight, but yeah, I can say that incredibly fast and not mess up once. 
I think I'm turning into Rexy. I think she's rubbed off on me, which is slightly worrying because Rexy. <laughs> Rexy's not a bad role model, but Rexy speaks incredibly fast. I, uh, do, 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 I, do I want to become rapid? Quit saying opinion! No, Jamie, I will never quit saying opinion. And yeah, as I said, Electric Wiggly, Nag Naganuma doesn't even work at Sega anymore, which is my point, which is why I don't rely on him anymore. Um. And Electric makes a good point. He says he just wants Spencer Nielsen to do game soundtracks again, to be honest. It's a good opinion. Spencer Nielsen made some absolutely fantastic work. I thought I got a response on Twitter, but I, I didn't. It's just Casey. Damn you, Casey. Let, let me down. Br bring my hopes up and then come, bring them crashing back down. Just like listening to Top Resort Fridays at 7pm. Wow, self-deprecation. That That's not an overused type of joke at all. But yeah, let me know what you think down in whatever chat method you prefer. No, we got we got a few a few games coming up now, but um yes, the track starting off this block is something that's very very personal to me. I talked about this in the chat room a bit earlier when we played some um, music from this game in the request block, but I didn't really talk about it on air. So I guess I should say um this track comes from something the Hedgehog 8 bit, and this is an incredibly important game to me personally because it was actually the the first video game, I believe? I'm fairly certain, I'm like 95% certain it was the first game I actually ever played. So, it's very important to me, and I remember even at that very young age that I played it, thinking, wow, this music is absolutely great. Although, it probably wasn't along those lines, it was probably more gibberish than that, considering the age, but still. Um, it's also incredibly personal to me because my first, uh, my first memory, like my absolute first thing I can remember is playing the Sonic 1 Master System special stages, being stuck in those, in those like purple and blue colour nightmares and the bumpers which look like twisters or whatever you want to call them but they look like twisters. And that's my absolute first memory, playing that on a tube TV. And never going to forget that. That's still the absolute first thing in my mind. And it's incredibly personal to me. So even though I played the track from the bonus stage earlier, ironically, that's not actually the track that takes me back. The track that takes me back is the theme of the second stage, which is the bridge zone, which actually never appeared in the Mega Drive version. But... I could never get to this stage myself, I would always get to Green Hill and then mostly die when I played the game back, way back when, like the first time I played it. Obviously now I can play it just fine and get up to this zone, but yeah, this track, this track means something special to me personally, so that's why I had to save it for now. So from the 8-bit version of Sonic the Hedgehog, this is Bridge Zone, right here on the Topical Resort.
only on Radio Sega. Missed an episode and want to catch up? Want to re-educate yourself on the topic of a previous show? Download our podcast from the Radio Sega Media section, subscribe to us on iTunes, or stream the show through Stitcher. Discord Call-In And welcome back to the Topical Resort, right here on Radio Sega. What you just heard there was from Streets of Rage 3, that was Fuse, and before that, from Sonic the Hedgehog 8-bit, that was the theme of Bridge Zone, which, as everyone pointed out, had very awful loops, because the version that we have on the playlist is, for some reason, only a minute long. I don't know why that is, but all the tracks from that game on our playlist are way too short, or cut way too short in that case. But yes, it is time for the topical resort and what we got going on in the chill out then. Okay, so we got three people going on right now and out of these I'm trying to think who haven't we talked to recently? So I get I get sick of talking to you over and over, Jamie. You, you hear me, and no, I'm I'm joking. 
Of course it's going to be one person. We know who that's going to be because I just made fun of him. And welcome to the show, Jamie. Huh? 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 What? Who? Who are you? Huh? Hey. Hello. Okay. I wasn't expecting that so quick. No, but uh, I did it anyway because I like the element of surprise. I like to caught, I like to catch you off guard. Yeah, but you mainly do that to me and no one else. Yeah, because I enjoy giving enough people courtesy. You don't deserve it. <laughs> don't be a Casey. Uh, yes. Okay, but anyway, Jamie, what would you like to talk about today? Uh, I was going to stay on topic uh, of the show, but seeing that things changed during the week, I have to talk about yesterday. I guess go for it, and also maybe just to avoid angering a certain <laughs> group of people in the chat room, also talk about the topic briefly at the end. The Nintendo Direct. That go great, great Direct. Will uh, announcing so many great games for the 3DS that the fact that they're still keeping the console alive, which is surprising. Which I think uh, is a good thing because, I, as I said, it should be kept alive as a budget console, but people don't seem to realise what the term budget console means because all I ever hear in my ear is, don't keep it alive, the Switch is awesome. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you keep it alive as a sort of cheaper alternative for those who cannot afford a Switch. So, what's it, with the 3DS, they're bringing back uh, the WarioWare franchise. Which is excellent, WarioWare's, WarioWare's really fun, like, it's one of those games which I think people would, anyone could really get into, because it's short, quick mini-games which are all varied. Yep, uh, and now, was it, they're also bringing Captain Turd to the 3DS. It's true, and and to the Switch as well, but Captain Toad to the 3DS was an odd move, but I think it's a good move as well. Yeah, and then Ursa now bringing a remake of Luigi's Mansion onto the 3DS. And I'm personally really happy about that. I saw tons and tons of salt from people going, No, why is it on the 3DS? It should be on Switch. But um, one, I love to watch the salty reactions, because you know how much I love the taste of fanboy tears. But more importantly, um, <laughs> I think it will work really well on the 3DS anyway, and even if it's not on Switch, most people still own a 3DS, therefore they can play the game. Well, I can see a third reason why Nintendo brought it to the 3DS. It goes to the origins of Luigi's Mansion itself because they initially had uh, wanted to make the game 3D on the GameCube. Ding, 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 and we have the winner, the only person who successfully guessed why it's on the 3DS over the Switch. Uh, that was the sort of the first thing that popped into my mind. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, they're bringing back the 3D feature. Yeah, because those testing 3D capabilities with the uh, graphics chip on the GameCube and the Luigi's Mansion was the game they uh, initially wanted in 3D, which is why Luigi's Mansion 2, uh, what's it called again? Uh, Dark Moon. Yeah, uh, became a 3DS release and not a Nintendo Wii U release. Well, I think as well... Um... If I recall correctly, there was a screen attachment which you had to buy in order to play the games in 3D. And I think that got quite far into v development until they realised how much, and then they scrapped it. <laughs> right, and, and now for the uh, Wii U, you got uh, Crash Bandicoot coming out for the Wii U. 
Uh, not Wii U, the Switch, sorry. Yeah, r- 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 wrong console, which people don't like, Jamie. <laughs> what? The, uh, oh, the Wii U or the Switch? <laughs> the Wii U. The other console people in this chat room don't like. Which, anyway, I believe is g- going to be great for Crash because it's it's another platform you can take on a gun. It's, it's great for the uh, portability. This is just my personal opinion because obviously now we know it's coming to Xbox One and Steam as well, which uh, I predicted all along, but people were so adamant that it wasn't true. Uh, I still think the PS4 version is going to be the absolute um, like best way to play it, in my opinion, because... This is just my opinion. Because Crash started off on PS4, it feels just odd to me personally playing Crash on anything that isn't a PS4. Or not PS4, just PS in general. I'll say Crash started out on a console years ahead of its time. Uh, no. No, incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, um, that's just like weird, because even stuff like Crash to Insanity, which came out on the Xbox and I had on the Xbox first, just feels weird. To not play on um the or to play on the Xbox instead of the PS2. I think in this case, like it's still great that it's coming out on other consoles, but I think the PS4 version is still going to be the way to play it for a lot of people. And as well, there's the Uncharted references, which will remain exclusive to that version. So there's that. Um, uh, was it? Uh, play the uh, Crash games on Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the Crash. I, I don't have an issue with, like, Crash games being on other consoles. I, I just feel like, personally, when the option is there to play it on PlayStation, it just sort of feels authentic. It's like, if you have the option to play Sonic on a real Sega console versus, like, on a collection or something on a Nintendo console, of course, you're gonna go for the original option. I feel like that's just what most people would do. Well, the thing is with Crash, when everyone kept saying PlayStation 4 exclusive, uh, everything got sh- that got shown for Crash on PS4 never said it was a PlayStation exclusive. Exactly, like stuff like, for example, Yakuza Zero, which is obviously a Sega game, uh, that has exclusive to PlayStation 4 uh, plastered on the box. Crash mysteriously didn't have that. That wasn't a coincidence. No. They did that on purpose. <laughs> it was just a timed exclusive. Which people were actually saying from the beginning, like soup before the game even released, people were saying. Oh yeah, it's a time exclusive, it will come into Switch next year, and everyone was like, uh, no. But, um, there's a lot of confusion, like, no, it can't have Crash on anything that isn't PlayStation, but, yeah. I think, I think we should move on from Crash in a second after you've said. So, another game that surprised me for this, which was, uh, South Park. It's true, I find that odd, but at the same time, it makes sense. Because I think, like, um, it's it's not the sort of game Nintendo would have normally gone for, but I think it makes sense because Nintendo sort of had that reputation as, like, the RPG console, and they have the reputation still as the RPG handheld, so I think Not the the type of game they've gone for, but in terms of content, they also went with Bayonetta. Yeah, that's true. And then for the biggest announcement last night, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, obviously the biggest announcement. Some people getting salty that I was excited for this. Because you don't understand... A lot of people don't understand. It's like, Smash Bros. the game is fantastic, but always the absolute best part is the build-up to Smash Bros. Like, 
so many great memories from last time and the time before. Like a time when Sonic was announced and everyone just went nuts. And then, um, what was it? Um, Mewtwo was announced after the game had already released the Smash 4 and everyone went absolutely like bonkers. And it's just like the reactions and like the build-up and all the leaks. And just like that hype train surrounding the game is sometimes often better than the game. And that's why I was so excited because I'm ready to go through that again. It's like an experience. I just liked the announcement because they made it really seem like oh, there's going to be more Splatoon content, and all of a sudden you see the Smash symbol, and it's like, yeah, that's not Splatoon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what happened on my uh, on my Discord. I'm not plugging, but um, what happened was on Discord they'd like shown off that Splat trailer, and honestly, none of us really care for Splatoon. I, I don't really like it that much. And I was like, oh, brilliant, more Splatoon! And I'm like, hang on a second, they're the Inklings from the original game, not the second game. What are they gonna pull off here? Ooh, what's what, what, why are they zooming in on on the Inklings' eyes? Is, is is that the smash? That's the smash. Oh my! <laughs> Not screaming because it was late at night, but still, you know, it was that sort of like initial, like scrambling around feeling. It was great. <laughs> well, as I said, they've had enough time anyway to develop a new ga game. But even to, in my uh, point of view, even if it is a enhanced part of the Wii U game, for me, it's a great thing because. As most people, they've probably skipped out on the Wii U, and it's a new experience now. Yeah, exactly. That's also true. And I think what they'll end up doing if it is a port, but honestly, I don't think it's a port with the information we have currently. But um, that might change later. But if it is a port, I imagine what they'll do is combine the content from 3DS and Wii U and like just put it into one big package and that also explains why there was the GameCube adapter support added to Switch in version 1 or version 3.1 Yeah, so the sense Smash was there from the very beginning <laughs> Yeah, there was um, Emily Rogers on Twitter actually leaked that Smash was being developed and everyone was like yeah, occasionally you get stuff right but you tend to get a lot of stuff wrong so we're not gonna believe you on this one and then the logo showed up and everyone's like that drops everything, spills a drink, spits it out like all, all, all over the computer monitors. I was going to say that did, that did surprise me, but I think still, uh, when I saw South Park, I was like, what? That's coming out? Can't be. Yeah, that's true. But I guess since it, people are starting to get triggered again. Um, wait, hang on, finish what you're saying, sorry. I'll say it needs to release a sticker tool from the console, though. Yeah, that was really odd. That Sticker Truth wasn't on the console, honestly, because I'm like, someone pointed out on Twitter earlier, like a few minutes ago as well, that um, the two games are so heavily tied into each other that it's really odd that they're not both on the console. I don't know. Luckily, I've played the game on PS3, so it don't really stop me. That's true, yeah. But I guess to avoid triggering any more people, um, let, let's move on to Yuza Kashira. So, um, what's your favourite soundtrack by him, personally? Uh, would have to be um, Streets of Age 1. So, uh, why is that? Like, favourite tracks and that sort of stuff? I think uh, favourite track what we played earlier was Attack the Barbarian because it was that so upbeat, so serious music that you know 
you're at the uh, vital point of the level where it's the it's the boss and it's just got that type of music where the boss can it sounds like the boss can practically kick your ass and then you die a few times. Yeah, it's like even just listening to it, you can sort of get that feeling. It's like pushing through. Come on, you got to beat this boss and like getting you hyped to beat the boss and all that. I think. That's really what the sort of vibe I get from that track is, and it's a great track as well. I, I'd i probably say it's not my favourite, but it's definitely up there in terms of favourites from Streets of Rage 1. But I think in any track from Streets of Rage 1, I, I always have the memory of accidentally pressing the A button. <laughs> what, what, what happens when you press the A button? You call the police and it's like your special attack and it's basically best used on the boss. Ah, uh, I see. I haven't really touched Streets of Rage 1, honestly, uh, because every time I've sort of been interested in playing Streets of Rage, because I'm not particularly good at beat-em-ups, I tend to go to two more, because two tends to be on a lot more collections than one or three is. I don't know. On the Was it the last Mega Drive collection we had? The whole, wasn't all three of them released on it? I think so, but like they tend to release the second one a lot more, which is why um, I I don't know. I, I guess that's why I tend to play that one more because it was like on um, on the Mega Drive portal I had. It was on a few different other platforms that the first one wasn't on, which is why I tend to go back to that one more personally. And plus, I think honestly, mechanically, it's the better game, but musically, n- nah, and not musically as in that that overlap. And then, was it earlier when you said about Streets of Rage not having a fourth game? It technically did. Fighting Force. Yep. Uh, so, for those who don't know, Fighting Force was originally meant, or was like a 3D beat-em-up, originally intended to be Streets of Rage 4. However, it was sort of reskinned because to sort of make back their losses, the company, I can't remember who made it, said they would need to release it on all consoles to make back money. But uh, the that issue. Company... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that company is called Design. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was called Design. Uh, yeah, they would need to release all consoles to make back their money. But the issue was Sega weren't having that, so instead they were like, "Okay, goodbye, Streets of Rage license. We'll just release it as an original game." And that's what they did. And this was at a time when the company was willing to actually release their games on other platforms, which they did at the time. Yeah, that's true, but uh, weren't willing to release it on PS4. I keep saying PS4, PS1 and N64, that's why I got them mixed up. I think that could have been the main problem in Nintendo 64. And plus they were quite heavily into rivalry with... um, They were quite heavily into rivalry with Sony as well at the time. Nintendo weren't really a problem by the N64. They were doing more damage to themselves than they were to Sega. Same with Sega, they were doing more damage to themselves than they were to Nintendo. <laughs> but you, you, you just seem to love uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, that's true. That's I actually wouldn't say that's my favourite soundtrack by him. My favourite's um, my favourite's actually Streets of Rage One. But um, Sonic the Hedgehog has such a fantastic soundtrack. If I'm honest. When listening, because... when, oh, when listening to it on an FM song. No, it's not true, Jamie. You're lying to me. It's horrible listening through the FM sound chip. Um, yeah, I guess like it has so many great s- songs, but 
Streets of Rage, also you have to appreciate it because it really pushed the limits of what the Mega Drive could do compared to Sonic 1, which although an incredible soundtrack is fairly safe on what the Master System can do. Like it doesn't do anything too crazy or out there, but it's still great music either way. But it's not still at the end of the day, it's not a fully original soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Because some of them are remixes and stuff, but still. So, sorry, I keep pausing because I don't know if you have anything you're going to say immediately afterwards. I will say. I thought you were saying something else after that. No, um, but uh, if we're not going to progress this conversation, we're just going <laughs> to sit around waiting for each other. <laughs> we may as well end it here. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Jamie. Is there any final words you'd like to say before I drag you back to the chill out? FM song chip is better. No, it's not. Goodbye. <laughs> we cannot have him saying any more words on this show after he makes slanderous claims like that. The FM sound chip is not better. PSG for life. FM sound sounds generic. But with that in mind, it is time to get into the Toffee Mix. And for those of you who don't know what the Toffee Mix is, it's where I play you a Sega track, a remix which relates to the topic of the episode, and a non-Sega track. And in this case, the non-Sega track relates to the topic of the episode because it may ring some bells for a track which you heard a little bit earlier in the show, except it's from a completely different game, not released by Sega. First of all, we're going to kick off the Toffee Mix with my Sega track, which is a track from Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. This is Breakout of, this is the Toppy Mix, and when we come back, we'll be wrapping up the show. But as for now, enjoy the music. Let's get scratching. The Toppy Mix.
time for one last time. Welcome back to the Top Group Resort right here on Radio Sega. We just heard there wasn't the track you think it was, but however, it did go on to inspire a later Kashiro track. That was from Dragon Slayer 4, Dracel Family on the MSX, and that was Maya Warzen. And that was actually the inspiration for Bridge Zone, which is obviously from Sonic 1 Master System because we played it earlier. For that was a track from our own Radio Sega, 10 Years for Sega Is, which apparently people don't like the name to, but I absolutely love the name to that. In fact, I, I like it more than Collision Theory, sorry. Um, that was Kaze Makase the, by the Blast Processors, which is a remix of um, the track of, I believe, from this. I believe the track of the same name from The Revenge of Shinobi. Thought that was a track from Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. That was Break Out Of. And that's a fantastic track as well. And now we're at the end of the show. Oh no, oh no, oh no. So I'm sure you want to know what is coming up next week. And well, next Friday. It, it's, it's it's slightly special. I, I don't know if you've noticed. It's slightly special. So next week is the... Uh, anniversary of Radio Sega Live, and I'm not sure what anyone else is doing, but um, I I am doing quite a lot for the anniversary of Radio Sega Live. So um, next week I'll be hosting a show on the history of Radio Sega Live. So that's next Friday at 7 p.m. I don't believe the usual segments will be there, except for maybe the call-in if we have enough time. But uh, stuff like, for example, the Toppy Mix and the Request Block, I believe, will not probably be there because I'll need to make extra time to fit everything into that. But, however, still some great stuff coming up on that show. You know, going to be playing you the themes to certain, um, to certain to certain shows. Be playing you some clips from said shows. You know, so you need to get in some of your favourite moments through Twitter or Discord. You know. Instead of requests, perhaps send me in your favourite moments from this show or any other show as of recent memory or old memory, depending on how long you've been around. And I'd really like to know that because next week is going to be an incredibly special show. Not only for that reason, but for another reason, which if you have a keen eye, you might know why. But aside from that, the next time you actually be seeing me is on Monday night at 8pm GMT, where I will be hosting the 2017 edition of Sega Ages and... I am absolutely just off the walls, so excited for that. It doesn't sound like it in my voice, but trust me, I really am. It's a massive honour to be able to host Sega Ages this year. So, catch me on Monday with that, and um, catch me on Friday with the history of Radio Sega Live. But uh, as for now, I've been Green Viper 8. You guys have been Doom Girl 20, John the VG Nerd, myself, II1980, aka Speed Lover. You've also been Jamie Six Four Three Two Six Electric Boogaloo. Um, who else? Some other people. You've been John the VG Nerd. I think I said him. If I didn't, I apologise. Shadix Croft. All those people. On top of that, we've had Retro Bob, who I forgot to introduce while we were in the call. In I apologise, but hello to everyone. Also, Rapid Run. He was there as well. Hi, Rapid Run. And uh, yeah, just. Absolutely, tons of people listening in tonight. I want to thank you all so much for listening in. And as for next time, I will catch you. I'll catch you then. But uh, I'm sure you want to know what's going to be playing next. I had to go for the obvious ending track here. Um, uh, this is the this is one of the well-known tracks from Shenmue, and it's it's for a reason because it's such a great track, and it was in fact produced by our lovely 
Yuzo Kashiro. So, ending off the show from Shenmue, the obvious choice. This is Shenhua Sedgeflower. It's been the topical result right here on the Radio Sega. Stay tuned for the rest of our Radio Sega Live weekend. Because up next we have Rexy, followed by CD-ROM and BDX the Bad Influence, followed up by the return of RSN Live with Voice. But um, as for now, I've been Green Vibrate. You all have been awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you next week. And as always, stay topical. Oh, yeah, Veritex is also here. Hi, Veritex. Bye, Veritex. the show check out the full radio sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows radio sega playing the best sega music 24 7